Vegas Golden Knights have gone where no expansion team has gone since 1968, and that is the Stanley Cup Finals. Why was it them and not Winnipeg? And which club do they have a better chance of beating, Tampa or Washington? Speaking of the Bolts and Caps, we'll talk about that and in D.C. tonight. Plus, the Canes roster is anything but certain, with the exception of Sebastian Ajo. Uh, the World Hockey Championships have wrapped up, and we also have the story of an NHL prospect whose NHL career could be in jeopardy because of a very strange addiction. It is time for another juicy edition of the Lace Em Up podcast, and episode 126 starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Tubuff. We're be in the Stanley Cup uh, Finals, and as the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, Tampa is leading Washington 3-2. to two. Game 6 goes tonight. That series could be over, or it could go 7. And after we get to this week's Hockey Hall of Fame Book of Trivia Questions, Brett, are you ready? I am ready, yes. We are at question number 15. Here it is. How old was Hall of Fame goalie Hugh Lehman when he made his NHL debut in 1926 and 1927? A, he was 17. B, he was 29. C, he was 36. Or D, he was more than 40 years old. Um, I don't know who that guy is. Um, I'm going to say he was 36 years old. Correct answer was D. He was more than 40. Well, all right. 41 (laughs) years old, the oldest rookie in league history. Uh, He joined the NHL in 1926 and 1927. Says he is, uh, by the looks of it, he's wearing a Vancouver uniform, so... um, um, that appears to be the team that he started his career with, at least at that point he played with. So, yeah, um, yeah interesting stat. Never heard of the guy's name before, but uh, I How guess um, I, I guess you could say he was back then a Andrew Hammond kind of goalie, right. um, a guy that nobody really heard of, started his career um, a bit early uh, or a bit later, a kind of late bloomer, I guess you could say. But uh, Andrew Hammond was like 26 or 27, so that's nothing compared to a, a 40-some-year-old. So, sure. uh, yeah, interesting stat there. Uh, anyway, it's uh, time to get on the, with the show, and while we're going to talk about Vegas and apparently how they're in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, uh, so I guess you started the show again, but it's okay. Um, the, yeah, the, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are into the Finals, um, kind of, I mean, I don't think anyone expected this. Um, even people who thought that, oh, they may make the playoffs, maybe, but I don't think anyone predicted this. I actually saw this on Twitter. This is from uh, Chris Johnson, who I think works for Sportsnet. Um, yeah. He, uh, he tweeted out that, a reminder, the Vegas Golden Knights were given a second-round pick to take Marc-Andre Fleury. 
Jonathan Marchessault to take Riley Smith, Alex Tuck to take Eric Halla, Shea Theodore to take Clayton Stoner, and a first and second to take William Carlson and David Clarkson's contract. Um, I do have to say that besides William, because no one expected William Carlson to be this 40-goal scorer, but other than that, like, all those are, like, you know, like, shame on all these other guys to along the floor, Dale Talon, uh, Rutherford for Pittsburgh, and um, I think Fletcher, um, who's the Wilds GM to... Uh, and, well, oh, and the, uh, I say was, he isn't anymore, yeah. And the Anaheim Ducks GM, who I'm blanking on right now, but... Um, Bob, um, Murray, Murray. Murray. Bob Murray. But, like, I don't think... It, it, the only fault that the Yarmo Kekalainen, the, the Blue Jackets GM, had is that he, you know, no one, like, he could have just, they could have seen that William Carlson was actually pretty good, you know, um, so they could have given him more of a chance. But I don't think that's really on them, per se, but that is kind of staggering when you realize that this is the real reason why they were, they've been this good. It's like, Marc-Andre Fleury and Jonathan Marchessault, which we'll get to in a second, have been really good um, and have been one of the main reasons why they're even in the Stanley Cup Finals to begin with. Um, but, like, that was a trade, um, more or less. Um, and um, and then uh, Alex Tuck, like, had a goal in the, I think, in the, uh, in Game 5 and uh, Shea Theodore has been pretty good since he's been up um, lately. So it's, um, yeah, it, that's been, like, a big reason why the, like, the Golden Knights weren't your normal um, expansion team um, just because of all these, like, trades uh, that GMs made, which were kind of stupid. Yeah. And I guess also, like, the Penguins were in a tough spot because it's not like like if they decide to protect Flurry, then Matt Murray would be the one who, um, you know, would be the one exposed. So, right. so I guess what Rutherford should have done is at least like maybe trade uh, to another team in order to get even more value back. Um, instead of, like, parading them around, like, oh, you're going to take Flurry, like, the wink, wink, nudge, judge kind of thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. But if you look at Flurry's stats from 2016, 2017, they're not nearly as good compared to this year, to be fair. True, although he was the main reason why they won, uh, the Penguins won the first two rounds. Yeah, no doubt, in the playoffs, he was certainly much better, yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of Flurry's playoff performance, but yeah, that is a good point. Um, he has been incredible. Um, he's been like the Jean-Sebastien Jaguar of this playoffs here. Uh, like the hot playoff goalie who's upped his game. Um, he, uh, so in the conference final, he had a 938, um, save percentage and only allowed 10 goals in, uh, five games. Um, which is obviously just two goals basically, um, per game. Um, overall in the postseason, he has a 947 save percentage and has only allowed 27 goals. Um, if I do quick math, that's over four, six, 
five. So that's over 15 games. Um, he's only allowed 27 goals. Um, so that's, I think that's less than two, isn't it? Um, yeah, that's 1.68. Um, <laughs> where I, where I'm seeing this stat isn't, it doesn't have a GAA. So that's, um, yes, that's 1.6, um, G GAA, goals against average. Um, but yeah, so Flurry's been amazing. Um, I mean, I guess it's no wonder, consider, I guess it's not so surprising considering he's been good when he was healthy this year, but um, then again, he's only 33 years old. I mean, he was a first rounder in, uh, a first overall pick um, in 2003, but, um, you know, I, I feel like he's finally taking into form <laughs> uh, 13 years later. I think probably he's playing the best hockey of his career. Yeah. Like, he's been good, but I don't even think we've seen him this good. And when you're riding a performance like this, your team can do extraordinary yeah. things. And I think um, – I I don't want to say it, but I – you know, I'm going to say it. I think Vegas is overachieving Vegas. Like, they're a good team to make the playoffs. But to go to the Stanley Cup Finals in your first year to do yeah. what only two other teams have done in NHL history, and the last one was 1968 when there was like, you know, when the expansion came and they added like six teams or or, or something like that. It was like at 12 or 16 teams. Right. Right now, Vegas was the 31st team um, in the league's existence right now that's still active. And they go to the Stanley Cup Finals right off the bat, and they're basically riding this guy. Marc-Andre Fleury has been, from day one, the best player that uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have had. Yeah. And it's I've run out of words to describe what this team is doing. I'm, I'm just going to enjoy the ride from now on because nothing about this year makes sense. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're overachieving. I think this... A lot of their success, as I just mentioned before, has to do with, like, the GM's uh, failures. Um, you know, yeah. like, the Jonathan Montreso trade, which we'll get into in a second as well, because he's been incredible, too. Um, he, you know, like, that shouldn't have happened. And Riley Smith is a good guy, t is a good player, too. Um, and it's like, I, I just, I wouldn't necessarily, I know, like, the common thing is, is, like, Obviously, I mean, I was no different either, so I'm not I'm not going to be like I'm this genius either, but, like, it makes sense when you think about it in terms of, like, that these are all guys who are misfits and they all, like, didn't get, you know, that narrative about, um, you know, that this team isn't, um, you know, the, the team that before them didn't want them and they've been able to rally around that kind of aspect of things. And, you know, and then there are some teams that don't take them as seriously. And, and then there's, they're able to like, just take advantage of that, like identity that they have. And that's like things that teams don't normally have is an identity and that, or like teams struggle to have is an identity. And, and that's something that they can do with, like, being an underdog, being that guy, 
being that team that has a chip under their shoulder kind of thing. And, yeah, and it's easy to feed yeah. off of that, but at the same time, it's just like you had this time last year. Yep, this team didn't have a roster, yep. and now they have a roster going to the Stanley Cup Finals. They're playing like a well-oiled machine. They're right. faster than any other team I've seen. It seems like every time the puck is going in the other team's zone, there's a Vegas Golden Knight just waiting there. Right. Like well, either they're using teleportation that we don't know of, or they're that fast. Well, that's why I don't. If they win the Stanley Cup or not, that's why I don't even think that they're going to, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they're this good next year either. Um, I know I know, Fleury is 33 years old, but um, I don't know. He could, he seems to be uh, pretty good this year. So, um, there. I mean, I guess there is that possibility that he'll struggle a bit. But, um, you know, there is definitely that, like, I, I just, like, they also, like, when they had the draft, there was, like, we all thought, like, oh, they're not trying to contend this year, but they'll be good in a few years. And yeah. now, like, at, now that they are good this year, it makes them even better for the next couple of years because they have all these guys that have seen success. And we know that, like, guys like William Carlson, Jonathan March is so Eric Halla, uh, Riley Smith, Shea Theodore, those guys have some playoff experience. And I could, see, I don't know, I could see them uh, being really good next year as well. It's, I don't, I don't think this is necessarily a fluke per se. Um, yeah. Um, I don't think, I, I think what's also helped them is that I don't think any team has figured them out yet. Yeah. I think that's going to be different next year. I think, they're slowly, the NHL is going to start figuring these guys out, what their tendencies are, yes. how they play, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and they're going to be exposed. And that's what's going to be interesting for George McPhee in the offseason, is how do I make this team better? Because I think these guys have earned the right to start the, the next year with the same core, with the same group. I think if you're George McPhee, you got to try to improve this team because no one's going to take them for granted next year. Yep. They know how – everyone knows how good they are now. Yeah. Um, you did say that Flurry has been riding them. Um, also, I want to give some kudos to uh, Jonathan Marchessault, who has 18 points in 15 games. Riley Smith has 16 points in 15 games. Um, and I think – uh, there's another one. Oh, James Neal has nine points in 15 games, but that's not, I guess, nowhere. I thought William Carlson was doing better than he was, but I guess not. Um, so, so like, uh, Dale Talon's probably, I don't know. Dale Talon should be fired for for this decision because that Jonathan Marshall and Riley Smith deal might be the worst deal in history when you really think about it. Um, cause like Jonathan Marchessault had 30 goals last year, um, for bad Florida Panthers team. Riley Smith had 50 points two years ago. And then you also, they also gave him his coach unintentionally, um, Gerard Gerland, um, yeah. who, who would like, you got them to the playoffs and, uh, uh, the Atlantic division title. Um, so like that's, that's, a, that's really what they're riding on as well as Flurry, uh, as well as Shea Theodore, as well as 
um, William Carlson and all those guys. So um, I think it's a testament to the work of uh, George McPhee and Gerard Gallant yeah. as well, because their whole plan was to formulate a team that are Gallant, and they've gotten all the right pieces, and he's gotten the most out of every yeah. single player. And not too many coaches uh, can do that, especially as quickly as George Gallant has been able to do with sure. such a young team. And uh, it's really amazing to see. Yeah. I um, mean, it's also, like, it's, like, such a good, like, comeback story for Gerard Gallant because he was, like, fired and wasn't, like, he was fired in Carolina and he wasn't yeah. allowed to even make it to the team plane, so he had to take a cab home. Um, and there's, like, this sad picture of him in the cab. offered him a ride, but he chose the cab ride or something. I don't know. But, yeah, uh, I, either way, that people are going to look at that image and they're going to assume, wow, they really left him hung out to dry there. Exactly, so... Um, yeah, um, also, I saw somewhere, Darren Ravel, who's kind of like this, uh, sports nerd, um, on Twitter, um, he, um, I think he works for ESPN, not I think, he does work for ESPN, but he's like a business guy for them, but, um, anyways, he had this tweet that he loves the Vegas story, but he thought that the Leicester, Leicester City, um, run was more impressive and then he cited how like a guy on the team was only making like forty dollars per per day or something like that and i was just per week yeah yeah per week i was thinking like yes leicester city was is definitely impressive and of course vegas has to win the cup for this to actually be a debate but Vegas, you just mentioned this before, and Vegas wasn't even a team a year ago. It's like, it doesn't even, like, I. it's weird to compare two miracles, but Vegas, Vegas winning the cup would be the biggest more miracle, not just in hockey, but in all of sports. Um, so, um, so, like, it, it's, it's, it seemed crazy that that triggered me, but um, it did. <laughs> Well, in, in to an extent, it, it kind of is a miracle, but yeah. because that fan base endured years of frustration, they didn't play in the Premier League a whole lot. Like they were, right? They were like on the verge. No, of I'm not. I'm not trying to discredit them. But, yeah. but and, and to go on the run that they did was absolutely incredible. And and that whole uh, Jamie Vardy making forty four dollars a week that was in two thousand eight. Yeah, that was years before. They went on this kind of run. Right. So, I think there was someone I, who was I, saying I'm like. I'm not discounting their run in any way, but yeah. I mean, they, they endured years of frustration. Vegas got to the finals on its first try. Right. I just I just think it's, uh, I, I was reading some of the replies and there's like, well, William Carlson was eight years old in 2008. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I mean, um. But uh, yeah, so I, I think that will be the new argument is which one was more impressive, Leicester City or Vegas, and I, I don't think it's a question. Not to discredit Leicester City, because what they did was impressive, the fact that, um, you know, they were able to, like, I think they were at one point, like, four leagues below the Premier League, um, so, um, so what they were able to do to go all the way to the Premier League and win that league is crazy impressive. Um, but like, I don't know. I think just the fact that Vegas wasn't even a team, um, last, like a year ago, um, is just proof that this should be, you know, 
that this is like this is even more impressive. So, um, yeah, sorry, all you soccer fans who who are listening. Um, I, I I think even if Vegas doesn't win the Stanley Cup, they've already won in the eyes of the Vegas Golden Knights and their fans. Like yeah. they're the first big four sports team that city's ever had, and yeah. the way the season started off with that horrific mass shooting yeah, true. Uh, where 50 plus people lost their lives and just the way they've helped the city heal and yep. and, and feel good about themselves like they, they're gonna walk forever for the rest of their lives and they're gonna be heroes in that city they really are yeah it's just it's it's fitting that it's uh that vegas's first team uh hit the jackpot so to speak um yeah. <laughs> and uh it, you're right though it, it does like it's great for the city, especially with what happened early on in that um, um, in the season. I think it was in October when they had that concert shooting. Um, so um, it was October the first, I believe, when it happened. Yeah, and then um, just before their season began. Yeah, and um, there was something else, but like the fact that like uh, the Raiders are going to be in Vegas, I think yeah. in two years. Um, I think there's another sports team that might do Vegas or something, but, um, but yeah, so like, you know, it's good to have a head start before the NFL comes in and, um, maybe they change, you know, it's like good to be like, oh, well we have the Stanley cup, like we have a good team in these golden Knights right away, um, instead of something else. So I hate to. Like I don't want to say like oh I I saw this coming a mile away no no one did but um, I'll be perfectly you know, honest my uh, the show host that I worked for Brian Lilly predicted Vegas to go in the finals and win the whole thing really so and he doesn't know much about hockey so uh, I just what, what what do I know what am I doing you're talking here I just like, remember like I, I I thought they would get past the first round they would lose in seven games stay yeah. time and and that would be that and they had a good run but. This is the run that just seems like it won't end. It's almost like it's meant to be that yeah. they're going to win. I just remember, like, fully the the owner was... Uh, you were telling me how the, the owner said that there'd be a Stanley Cup contender in three years, and I thought that was ridiculous and crazy. Yeah. And then, I don't know, here we are. <laughs> um, so... Um, anyways, yeah, here, here we are, here we are, it's 2018, and the series winner was scored by, of all people, oh, yeah. Ryan Reeves. Ryan Reeves, of all people. Yeah, and I was also critical of that trade, I was just like, you're getting Ryan Reeves, how is he going to help you in the playoffs, and boy was I wrong on that too, so every, every prediction I, every time I'm critical of the Vegas Golden Knights, they they proved me wrong. So yeah, um, <laughs> that that's why I've just I've just allowed myself to just enjoy the ride because yeah. it's it, it's almost like it it's meant to happen. They're meant to go this far. They're meant to win the whole thing. And I I think that's why it's going to be disappointing if they don't win it all because yeah. it just seems that like the stars are lying for them. It's their time. It's their year. They're meant to win it all. Yeah, true. Um. All right, let's go to the other series um, in the conference finals uh, is the Eastern Conference Finals. So when we left, last we left off, the Capitals were up to nothing. It seemed like they had finally figured things out and they would beaten the beast of the of the Penguins and they're they're ready to take on the the Lightning. 
But, um, nope. <laughs> um, what ended up happening was the Lightning won three straight, um, and the Capitals were going to capital, um, as they say. Um, we're recording this on Monday, uh, so they, and which is when Game 6 is, so there's a chance that the Lightning clinch tonight, um, but we don't know that yet. Um, but um, at the moment, it seems like the Lightning have kind of figured out the Capitals um, in the fact that uh, Game 3 was 4-2, Game 4 was 4-2 as well, um, and then Game 5 was 3-2. Um, I don't know. I I'm I hope this this will go to Game Seven just because I love Game Seven so much. But um, I I don't know. I feel like the Lightning have this um, tonight. So I I think the Lightning are going to win this in in six. It just seems like they've figured it out. Their depth is so big. Like Ryan Callahan had a great game last night. Which is crazy. Yeah, goal assist you know? and two takeaways in Game yeah. Five. Absolutely. So it was st- it was um, stellar. And Vasilevsky has been on fire, too. So, um, you know, guys like Braden Point. It's not just Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos who have kind of shown up a little um, in these playoffs, but not a ton. Um, And so, oh, I guess I should take that back. Kucherov has 17 points, and Stamkos has 16 points. But Braden Point um, is one of those guys. He has 16 points. Victor Hedman has 11 points. Andre Palat has 12 um, you know, JT Miller has eight points. Tyler, Ty, Ty Joe has eight points as well. Uh, Killhorn, who had a, I think he had a game winning goal. Yeah, he did four. in game four. A game, um, I, yep. Probably the best chance for Washington to take this series by the yeah, horns. He had, uh, he's, he's, he went to Harvard, by the way. Um, I didn't know that <laughs> until, uh, until I saw it later that day. They're like, did you know that he went to Harvard? I was like, wow. Um, uh, but yeah, he has five goals in these playoffs. Um, so that's impressive too. So it's like their depth is really, really strong. And we, I mean, as a Bruins fan, I knew that this would happen considering that like the, I knew that the lightning are a good team, obviously considering that they also manhandled the Bruins, uh, last round too, but it seems like they're doing the same thing for the, the capitals, um, to the capitals. So we'll see how it goes. Um, and speaking of the Capitals, I just want to shout out Evgeny Kuznetsov, um, who has 22 points in 17 games, so he's been pretty good too. Um, so yeah, what, what do you think of this series? Do you think it's going to go six or it's going to go seven? Well, um, just to flash back again to our previous episode, I said this could easily blow up in Washington's face, and that's why it was so important for them to win game three. And... Tampa was outscored five to nothing in the second period of games one and two combined, and they outscore Washington three to one in the second period of game three. Uh, in game four, like I said, big missed opportunity for Washington. Vasilevsky arguably stole that game. Washington should have closed out Tampa Bay um, at one point in the first period. Shots were relatively close, but the Caps go on a run in which the Bolts were outshot like thirteen to nothing or fourteen to nothing. Before they got a shot and goal in the second period. Um, and in that monster second period, the Caps only scored for a 2-2 score. And, of course, in the yeah. third, Kalorn scores that game winner. And uh, the Caps lose that game. Uh, and they paid for that in game five. 
because in the first period, the Bolts spent an additional minute 40 in the Caps end with the puck, outshot them 13-4, to outchanced them 15-2, to and even though Washington was able to make a game of it in the final 40 minutes, the opening 20 minutes ended up being their downfall, and they find themselves in a 3-2 series. Not to mention in that game, I think they uh, they they had the Capitals had like three power plays um, going for them, yeah. and they couldn't uh, they couldn't um, take advantage of that. Yeah, exactly. Tampa figured them out. They figured, yeah. okay, we can't give these guys much. We got to stay disciplined, and yeah. and that's a good example of teams using their conference finals experience and finding ways to get themselves back in the series. Tampa has by far and away the most conference finals experience out of these four teams that made it to the conference finals. And it's not even close at all. Yeah. Washington uh, had, and they proved, and they proved us why Washington had three power plays in uh, seven minutes, basically. Yeah. um, In the first period. And they couldn't contribute on that or take advantage of it. Yeah, and like I said, Vasilevsky was huge. Yep. Stopped 100 of the last 106 shots he's faced. Um, and Holpe, uh, after stopping 52 of his first 56, 10 goals against over his last 64 shots uh, faced. So um, I I do think the Caps can win this series if they win game six. But I, it, honestly, it could go either way. I'm prepared for either result. Um, I think for Vegas, the best matchup on paper to, uh, f- from a fan's perspective would be Vegas-Tampa Bay. Uh, the best storyline would be Ovi and the Caps desperate for a cup against yep. an upstart Vegas team that no one expected to be here. Yep. Um, but I think Vegas, as far as best, best matchup goes, who they could handle better, I think Washington. Because... The Caps have been able to come back from 2-0 down, but they've also given up a 2-0 series lead just now. Yeah. Um, and I think Vegas has got the speed. They've also got rest. Because yeah. if you don't recall, in round one, they swept the Kings. They had a decent amount of rest for their second round series against the Sharks. Mm-hmm. They had about a week off to get ready for Winnipeg. And now they've got about a week off before they face off against either Washington or Tampa. Well, I don't so know about the a week. Not only are they fast, but, but they're rested. I don't know about a week, considering that game set, if Game 7 happens, that's going to be on Wednesday. And they're just likely going to have the Stanley Cup Finals on either like Friday or Saturday, would be my guess. So, um, I wouldn't say... I guess it's technically a week off if it's Saturday. But Friday... I mean, they still have some time off, yeah. Um, yeah. But they, like, they've, got enough, they've got enough time to rest up and recharge. And certainly if, more time than I think... Uh, I think they're going to have more time than uh, their Eastern Conference uh, opponents. Well, I think yeah, duh. <laughs> that'll, that'll be enough. I think that'll be enough to to but, beat them if it's Washington. Yeah. Um, but if, if Tampa, Tampa, I think it goes seven. But if Tampa wins tonight, then they'll probably have the Stanley Cup Finals on Thursday, and both would both teams would get enough rest. Would be my guess. Um, well, I, I heard Scott Oak in his post-game interview with Flurry that uh, they would have about a week off. So oh, really? maybe he knows something that we don't. But okay, um, so that's I, a more I, I, either either way. I think rest is going to play a factor. Yeah, uh, regardless that's of who fair. they play. I I do remember. Uh, I th- I forget which Golden Knights player said this or not, but um, he they said that uh, they thought that uh, the Winnipeg um, was was like 
tired after the Nashville series, and that was yeah. the reason why they felt that they could uh, take advantage of Winnipeg. And, um, you know, that was a similar statement to what happened to the Bruins where they lost to Toronto in seven yeah. and then Tampa was able to take advantage of them. Um, so, um, so yeah, rest could have something to do with it, but I will say that if Tampa wins tonight, which is possible, of course, um, you know, they both have the same amount of days off, basically. It's just Vegas had one more day of rest, so it may not be as important if they if Tampa can win tonight uh, versus Washington tomorrow. And I think you're right. I think rest will play a factor. So like if Tim, but like if Tampa wins tonight in Game Six, I yeah. think Tampa has a good shot of beating the Vegas Golden Knights. But if the Tampa wins in Game Seven, then I think um, it'll be it'll be tougher on Tampa. But not you know Tampa has been the best team all season in the league, so um, yeah. so there is a chance that they they can get things going. And then for Washington, if they win in Game Seven, I feel like I don't know. I I think it might be one of those things where they'll they'll be too tired. Um, to uh, play the the Knights, but um, we'll see how that goes. I don't really have too much faith in the fact that they're going to uh, win in seven, but um, I guess it's definitely possible. Um, it's hard to like count things out now with uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and the, um, with their run. Um, so, yeah. Especially when you consider that uh, home ice hasn't really meant much in these playoffs, especially in that Washington-Tampa series. Yeah. Game five was the only time uh, so far that the home team won. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, let's go to the rapid fire. Um, the uh, We'll do a Jets obituary of sorts. Um, they, uh, I mean, although they lost to the Vegas Golden Knights and they kind of, um, they were mentally out of it um, in in five games, um, I don't think they. I think they should hold their heads high on this because they still have a young team. We found out yeah. that Mark Shifley is a superstar. Patrick Laine, of course, is is a is a superstar, almost already. Um, Blake Wheeler's pretty good, um, although he's going to be a UFA next year. Um, and I think let's see here. Who else? Oh wait. Oh, the Cap Friendly changed their page so that they have all their UFAs for this year um, instead of... So Blake Wheeler's going to be a UFA next year. Yeah. Um, let's see here. The uh, Sean Mathias, Matt Hendricks, and Paul Stastny will be UFAs this year. Um, uh, Brandon Owen, oh, T- Tobias Enstrom... Um, and then they have a couple of RFAs. They have Brandon Tanev, Joel Armia, Marco Dano, Adam Lowry, uh, Jacob Truba, uh, Tucker Pullman, Joe Morrow, Josh Morrissey, um, and Connor Hellebuck are all RFAs. Oh, and, and everyone but uh, Shifley, or sorry, everyone but uh, Morrissey and uh, Hellebuck, I believe, are arbitration eligible RFAs, too. Uh, didn't know All that. the names you mentioned. Yeah, because Hellebuck was a RFA last year, but they, he signed for a one-year contract. 
So yeah, I assume. Yeah. So I assume they're going to sign Hellebuck for more, um, for a longer term, um, and that'll be the interesting off-season um, thing that they'll have to worry about. But I assume Jacob Truba will be signed for long term as well. Um, and he also rescinded his no trade, so he wants to stay in Winnipeg now. Yeah. So. Um, and they'll probably keep Josh Morrissey for short term as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, those are the only guys that they really have to worry about. Maybe Paul Stasny, but I don't think they could afford it. So we'll see. But yeah, they they have a good core going, and uh, you know, with guys like Bufflin, Ellers. Um, although Ellers didn't really show up at all in these playoffs, um, you know, Wheeler as well. Um, and those guys are you know kind of old Wheeler and Bufflin, but um, they have a good thing, group going with Shifley, Ellers, Connor, and Line. Um, and then you have Jacob Truba who's and Tyler Myers, who have been um, kind of helping out Dustin Bufflin. So um, there's definitely, and of course, Connor Hellebuck. How could I forget Connor Hellebuck? So, yeah. and, um, and it's going to be interesting to see how they handle the cap because yeah. you mentioned some of those guys not only is Wheelers, uh, not only is Wheeler a UFA, so is Tyler Myers yep. um, after next year, and um, I, I would think that you know Wheeler making under six million, he's probably going to be making a lot more than that. Yeah. Um, with the numbers he's put up over the past couple of years, um, and then on top of that, Patrick Line and Kyle Connor are also. RFAs at the same time Wheeler and Myers are UFAs. Yeah, good point. So they're really going to have to manage the cap over the next two years because guys like Wheeler, guys like Connor, guys like Line, those are guys that you're probably going to want to keep around for many years to come. And they're probably going to get long-term deals and they're probably not going to come cheap. Yeah. I'll be more curious to see what uh, Connor Hellebuck's um, contract's going to be like. Cause yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they go the Cam Talbot route and just give him like a four-year deal between like four and five million or something yep. like that because I like he's had one good year. Yep. We saw how one good year Cam Talbot had was followed by a not so good year. Right. So like, how confident are they that Hellebuck's going to follow this up with another great year? Right, and that's that's kind of why I'm saying is I'm curious to see that because he had one good year, but. You know, consistency is important, especially for goaltending. So I don't know if um, you have to see how much faith the Jets have in Hellebuck to uh, if they're going to give him a long-term contract like that or not. Um, again, he's only 25 years old, so that's that's really young for goalies. Um, so there is, a, it, of course, and he's also like a Vezina candidate. So he has all the potential in the world. It's just how do you put that into a value um, in terms of money. And that's, that's going to be the interesting thing to see how they do, how they manage that. Uh, It'll of, also be interesting to see how, how um, they do next year because yep. I, they kind of remind me of Ottawa in which they made a lot of progress, but like Ottawa was one of those teams where they were too good not to make the playoffs and they still missed the playoffs and they were a bottom five team in the league. Right. And, with the lack of parity in this league, they can easily go from a playoff team to a non-playoff team, yep. especially when you consider that Paul Maurice is probably the best team he's ever coached in his career. True. How in the world is he going to follow up this year? So yep. I, I'm 
still not entirely convinced that they can be a consistent playoff contender. They certainly have the ability. They just need to do it. Well, they definitely have a really good forward group with, uh, as I just mm-hmm. mentioned, with Shifley, Wheeler, Line A, um, Ellers to an extent, and uh, Connor as well. So those are that's like a good group of six players um, for them. It's just they have to work, fix their depth, maybe fix a little bit of their defensemen a bit. Um, Bufflin's awesome, but again, he's 33 years old, so it's um, it's tough to to say how consistent he'll be um, in the next couple of years. Um, and I think it'll all ride on how good Connor Hellbuck will be. Um, I know yeah. in, in the, the Western Conference there was a couple of goals that he that were soft um, and that he should have had. Um, and I feel like the, I'm not sure if that's due to like tiredness or if that's due to um, just um, you know his actual ability or something like that. Um, so that's going to be something that will be interesting to see how that goes in the next year. Fun uh, fact, by the way, uh, yep. just before we close out this segment, after beating the Golden Knights in Game 1, the Jets led the Golden Knights for 0 minutes and 0 seconds from Games 2 to 5. Wow. They never led again. Incredible. Um, so, so, um, so the GM of the year, so someone who's the guy who's going to have to figure all this stuff out for the Jets. Um, he ended up being nominated for the GM of the Year, uh, Kevin Dayoff, Also, yeah. George McPhee and uh, Steve Geiserman. Also, two teams that we just talked about in the Lightning and the uh, Golden Knights. I would uh, imagine um, this is George McPhee's... Uh, GM yeah. spot, we can already announce that he's going to win. But It's, um, <laughs> it's like the Coach of the Year award. Yeah. Like, how in the world can Gerard Gallant lose? How in the world can George McPhee lose this? Yeah, like, exactly. What, what those two have done is absolutely incredible. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, I mean, not to discredit what Yeiserman or Shevel Dayoff have been able to do, but, um, yeah. yeah, I think uh, George McPhee has this going away. Um, all right, uh, so let's go to the world's update. Um, the, uh, uh, it was, uh, Sweden-Switzerland final. Um, Switzerland beat, uh, oh no, Sweden beat Canada, uh, to get in, in the semifinals. No, yeah, you had it right the first time. Swiss beat Canada 3-2, oh. Sweden beat the U.S. 6 nothing. Right, that's right. And I think, uh, oh yeah, that's right. And then, uh. Because uh, Johnny Gaudreau had this, like, crazy slashing penalty mm-hmm. on a Lindholm, who's a Swedish person. So, um, that's right. But Sweden ended up beating uh, Switzerland. I think you said that it went into a shootout. Um, yeah. Yeah, and... it did go to a shootout. The Swiss were actually leading 2-1 to one at one point. Yep. Um, and ended up going to OT. They forced a shootout. The Swiss scored on their first shot. But then Anders Nielsen uh, turns aside the next four. Sweden scores two, and they win. Yep. Um, USA beat the beat Canada in bronze. Finally, um, <laughs> I know you don't care, but um, USA beat uh, Canada in hockey. Finally, um, is it bad that I'm not surprised Canada didn't medal? Like, I, know. I know they had McDavid and they had Josh Bailey and they had Barzell and Nugent Hopkins and all those yeah. offensive talents. 
and they were missing a lot of guys like Taylor Hall wasn't there, Crosby wasn't there, Carey Price wasn't there. Yeah. They, for whatever reason, they just didn't have the look of a team that was going to medal, uh, let alone win gold. Like, the tandem of McElhinney and Kemper in goal isn't bad, but I think if they have a guy like Mike Smith and Carey Price, a part of me thinks they at least medal. Yeah. But, like, they were, they dramatically outshot the Swiss. Their goaltender stole a game, and they still lost by a score of 3-2. to two. And Kemper faced less than 20 shots in that game. Yeah. And just just some of the goals there, he, he, he looked a bit out of position, and... I saw that maybe maybe Mike Smith doesn't do a better job, or maybe Carey Price doesn't do a better job. I don't know, but they just didn't have the making of a team that could win it all this year. I don't know what it was, but um, yeah, I, I, saw, I didn't expect I didn't expect Canada to win it. I saw I think it was on Twitter that people were blaming Bill Peters for Canada's loss. Ah. Uh, so um, <laughs> so Calgary has uh, that to look forward to. Um, but yeah, um, as for the U.S., I mean, Sweden's a good team. Um, I mean, it is kind of annoying considering that they got, they, you know, they lost their, they got eliminated in a six to nothing battle like that. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, you know, who cares really? It's, uh, but, um, I don't know. Um, I think it would have been better if Switzerland won the whole thing yeah. because this would have been... I think this would have been about as important to them as, you know, uh, Canada winning the gold medal in Olympic hockey. Like, they've never won gold at this tournament. This is, like, only their second or third medal in the last 60-plus years at this tournament. Yep. The whole whole nation would have gone bonkers if they won. Yeah, true. Um, Also, I think another factor was that, like, um, or I was reading this that they didn't really have a ton of like the le- U.S. didn't have a ton of leaders. Um, Patrick Kane was their captain, for instance. Um, yeah. So it's like, um, so when you have like Patrick Kane as your your uh, your captain with all his um, off ice issues, um, it's kind of like you know that seems kind of crazy. Johnny Gaudreau had like a stupid penalty, and he was one of their he was the one of their alternate captains. Um, so it's like, it's one of those things where they just, they were uncharacteristically, um, bad in that, in that regard. They didn't have enough, you don't think they had enough character to win? Yeah, I don't know. I hate, I hate saying character isn't as important, but maybe it is. I don't know. Um, obviously Patrick Kane and Johnny Gaudreau are really, really talented guys. Um, but, um... And they're probably the best Americans that we have, other than, I guess, Austin Matthews um, and Jack Eichel. But, um, but yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I think there was a leadership issue that may have affected it. Uh, I think, like sure. Canada, you know, if you add a guy like Quick or a guy like Matthews, maybe the, maybe the script is written differently. Yeah. But, you know, even, even with Patrick Kane, you know, being the top scorer in the tournament, they also had Cam Atkinson and Chris Kreider in the top 10 scoring list. So True. I, they, I think they had enough skill to win it all. I, I just think the character wasn't there when it mattered. Yep. Um, speaking of that, uh, Patrick Kane had the most points by a U.S. player in the tournament. I think he had 17 points. Um, in uh, This was just the group matches, by the way. Um, so, so there's that. Um, 
so maybe it wasn't just the leadership, but you're right. In terms of skill, Patrick Kane did have it, and he did bring it. So you, you can't say that he didn't show up. Um, and then also, Sebastian Ajo had the most points by a Finnish player in a tournament. Um, yes. He had 17 points as well. Devo Teravainen had, I think, 15 points in that group matchup as well. So... Um, they were they were a team, they were uh, pretty dynamite uh, for fi- Finland um, in yeah. the tournament, even though they didn't go far in the actual tournament. Um, speaking of that, the Canes say that um, everybody but Aho is available, which is kind of odd considering what I just said is that Teravainen also was pretty good um, in the um, in the final. So it's kind of interesting. I don't think that. I've been saying this for a long time now. I don't think the Canes need to blow it up. I just think they need to fix their goaltending, maybe fix some defensemen. Um, I saw that like Jeff Skinner is definitely getting traded or something like that, um, which I don't think they need to do. Jeff Skinner is a really good player. Um, I mean, I guess it depends on what they can get for Jeff Skinner, but like if they can trade, maybe like if they are going to trade, maybe trade someone like Jordan Stahl. Um, and get like a like a, a maybe a better center, but I don't think they need to worry. I don't know. I don't think they need to change so much and blow up the team. So this kind of this kind of news kind of concerns me. I know Aho is really good, um, and I guess a player that you can build around. But at the same time, they still have a lot of guys like Teravainen, like Jeff Skinner, um, like yeah. Noah Hannafin. Justin Folk that they can build around as well. So it's not just Aho that's um, that's good. Um, that's my more my point. <laughs> now I also read an article from the Hockey News and and it brought uh, some interesting points as to why Jeff Skinner might be on the block as well as Justin Falk, yep, uh, one of their top defensemen. Um, they they make the argument that they have a top three pick. Whoever that top three pick is going to be is probably going to get a crack at the NHL right off the bat and probably have an impact role in a year or two. Yep. And will probably be Shevnikov. And and that's uh, because if if they go with a winger, uh, Jeff Jeff Skinner is a top six winger. And if they draft a winger, that individual is probably going to be outside the top six um, if Skinner is still around. And when you look at uh, Jeff Skinner's off year, he went from 37 goals uh, in 2016-2017 uh, to 24 this year. Went from a minus 3 to a minus 27 in just one year. Um, I, I think if you're going to trade a guy like Jeff Skinner, now might be the time. I know one bad year shouldn't indicate that. Yeah. But if, if you look at this draft and you look how deep it is, and you think you could get some serious top 10 talent, maybe moving a guy like Jeff Skinner gets you another top 10 pick, maybe uh, it's taking a risk for that. And you also look at a guy like Justin Falk, who is making less than $5 million a year, is a right-handed shot, and a guy who, let's say, Eric Carlson doesn't go to Vegas. Maybe Justin Falk is their plan B. And when you look at the fact that he went from 15 goals to 16 goals to 17 goals to just eight or nine goals this year yep. and only 31 points, uh, I think now would be an optimal time to trade a guy that 
if you look at the emergence of Brett Pesci, Noah Hannafin, and Jakob Slavin, yep. Justin Falk is probably, at best right now, a top-four defenseman, not even their top defenseman. So maybe now is a good time to get some value for him. Just looking at it from that perspective, I can see why guys like Skinner and Falk could be on the trade uh, board. I, I still I, I see what you're saying, but at the same time, I, I know what Justin Falk and Jeff Skinner are capable of doing, and I don't think you should trade guys just because they had one bad year. It could just be the coach's issue or something like that. And also, speaking of that, you did bring up a good point of, like, they have the second overall pick. They're probably going to get either Andrei Shevnikov or Philip Sedina. Um, yeah. Shev, I'm just looking here. Shevnikov is a right winger, and Sedina is a right winger? Let me look. Uh, oh, he's a left winger. So if they go with Sedina then it makes sense that then you have Aho, um, Skinner, and uh, Zadina on the left side. But if you have a, if you pick up Shevnikov, who it seems like that's who they're going for, who's a right winger, then you just have Teravainen, Justin Williams, and, um, and that's it on the right side. So they could definitely afford to take a guy like Shevnikov um, and make him a right winger because they need more right wingers than left wingers, um, per se. So, um, I mean, their, their real need is their centers, but, um, at the moment, if you have, if you're going to choose between, um, either Zadina or Shevnikov, um, it would probably be Shevnikov just because they're in more need for a right winger and you don't have to worry about trading Jeff Skinner. Um, if you take Shevnikov just because of the right and left wing kind of thing. Um, so, um, I, I just, I, I just would be cautious about blowing up the team is all I'm saying is cause. Yeah. I, I definitely think there needs to be more food yeah. for thought before making a decision like yeah. that. I will say though, if Skinner or Falk get traded, it will be before the draft. Yeah. No, because I agree with that. I don't think they're willing to trade them if it's for, prospects in 2019. I think they need to get a high-end prospect in 2018. I just don't necessarily agree with even training those guys um, either way, yeah. just because I know that they're... I know that they had a bad year, but I just don't think you can necessarily um, like say that they're bad now because of this one year of... Uh, they didn't reach expectations. Um because we've seen their body of work um, beforehand. Like, uh, yeah. you know, Justin Falk can score goals like no other. Jeff Skinner's also a great time goal scorer as well. It's just, you know, they didn't really go in this time. So um, I do understand, the, uh, the uh, on the other hand, I do understand the fact that the Hurricanes also have Noah Hannafin and um, Jacob Slavin as well on their defensive side. So they could... But I just don't think you. you I I just don't think you can really uh, um, count. You should really just trade Justin Falk just because you have those two guys. Um, and you mentioned the goaltending situation. I do think they need to improve in that regard. Yep. Uh, there's not really too many good goaltenders out there in free agency. 
So I do think if any key player gets traded, yeah. a goaltender will be coming Carolina's way. Yeah, or if, and they also need a top-line center. I'm not necessarily sure if Jordan Stahl is a top-line center, um, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or Elias Lindholm, at that matter, too. Um, the... All right, so uh, uh, lastly, we have a, kind of a juicy story here. In um, so according to Jeff Merrick, um, a CHLer who is a recent first rounder from a for a quote unquote prominent team likely won't make the NHL now because of a video game addiction. Um, so I'm just gonna read what Merrick said here. Um, On video games, and I'm not going to say the player's name, I'll begin, Merrick, I really doubt he's going to make it to the NHL, and it's because of a video game addiction, to the point where his junior general manager told me that they've had him go to counseling over it because he'll play until all hours of the night and into the morning, and then he'll have no energy the next day, he'll be a write-off, and it is that bad. He has this compulsion for playing video games until all hours. Um, I swore that I wouldn't say the player's name, but it's unfortunate. He's a recent first-round draft pick for a very, very prominent NHL team. We'll probably never play in the NHL because of it. Um, and hopefully, said Merrick, and again, this is information that's six months old. Actually, you might say a year old now. But it's a terrible story because this guy is a good junior hockey player. This guy is a good player and was a high pick. And I'm probably saying too much right there, but... There's a good chance he's not going to make it to the NHL. And his general manager said, yeah, the video game addiction is bad. It's bad with this kid. So this is kind of a juicy information, uh, juicy story here because, one, if um, we'll probably never know who it is unless Merrick actually does break his promise and tells us who it is. And I know why he didn't say who this guy is. Um because it makes sense. You don't want to blow him up that much, blow up his spot that much. But, you know, this is more of, like, likely just a wake-up call to to whoever this guy is. Um, and it's also, um, unless the, the player says, oh, I have a video game addiction, the general manager decides to say something, or, or Merrick decides to break his promise and say who the guy is, um then we'll never know who this guy is. Um, but I am so curious as to who this player is now, even though I yeah, know I'll never know. Yeah, that's the dangerous part, because everyone's going to assume, oh, yeah. it might be this guy, or this right. guy, or this guy. Yeah, because that's, that's what me and Steve did, or me and you did for about... Oh, yeah, there was a series of email as just yeah. like, oh, it could, it be, could be this guy, yeah. it could be that guy. Um, like, I was thinking this was going to be Logan Brown, and you weren't oh, so please sure. No. please no. <laughs> Um, and then I was saying like how it's like, but it's like they said it's a prominent team. Yeah, what's your sure. definition of a prominent yeah. organization? Is what I'm wondering. Yeah, and I don't because like the dictionary definition is like important or famous, and I'm not necessarily sure what he means by that. Because like, could he mean like like because Ottawa is in Canada, but it's not necessarily like. No offense, Steve. Yeah, but are we not, talking original six here? Yeah. Are we talking a team like Philadelphia? Right. And, like, it could be, like, yeah, it could be, like, a Northeast team, like, or, like, it could be, like, some team, like, the Edmonton Oilers prospect or something. Yeah, or a team on the rise, like, New Jersey, that yeah. has Taylor Hall and Nico Heischer on it. Right, so there is, there is that aspect of things. Um, other things are, like, 
I'm also curious about is like what video games because like there's a difference like if it's Fortnite then yeah that's bad or if it's like you know Call of Duty or um, any of these Gods of War or something but like let's say it's NHL 18 like that's kind of cool like that like I've always wondered if like because that's probably helpful to your hockey game because that also shows that you're interested in hockey if you play these hockey video games. And in fact, that's yeah. how I that's how I became interested in hockey was I played NHL 99. Um that was my uh that was my video game of choice uh, back in the day. So um so that that could be kind of encouraging if it is something like you know, maybe if, if they if he's I mean I I know if he's addicted to something, I guess that's that's a little different, but um I, it would be kind of interesting if it was NHL ninety NHL eighteen or something, um, but like it could very well just be Fortnite or something. And then I guess the other thing is what team is what team is this? That I'm not necessarily sure, but it it is is it is a brilliant story just because there's so many questions that we both know that we'll never get the answer to, but we're gonna be like endlessly trying to figure it out. Um, yeah. And it's tough because it's so unprecedented. It's tough to diagnose. I, yeah. I've never seen a case like this. Like, if you yeah. look at Jeff Carter and Mike Richards and Tyler Singh, and, like, they weren't addicted to alcohol, but it was well documented that they liked to party. Right. And when you're in the public eye like that, it's, it's tough to ignore. But right. this is an addiction that isn't easy to spot unless you're, like, communicating with this person every day. They don't have to be out in public to be consumed by this, this addiction. They can be cooped up at home on their butt watching and playing video games for hours at a time, and you won't even notice a thing. Yeah. I think, I mean, I don't think, it, yeah, I think this is, like, since video games are relatively new, um, I mean, I, I know that they've been out since, like, the 80s, but... Um, it's, it does seem kind of unprecedented that, like, it seems like they've been really popular nowadays. Um, so it is kind of like, I wonder if there's going to be more and more of these kind of cases where guys are addicted to, um, video games. Like I know with David Price, uh, the Red Sox pitcher, he's, he once, he claimed that he was, he got calluses on his fingers, um, and couldn't pitch because he was playing Fortnite too much. Um, so, so there is like a factor of that where video games injuries are actually a thing, you know? So, um, but it is like an interesting case cause it's, cause this is video games are like, you know, it sounds like one of those things where, um, like the old generations, like, oh, the, you, you young generation and your new millennials and your video games and all that stuff when, in fact, it could be a you know, um, you know, a couple of games are actually like helpful in terms of like learning um, different skills. Um, but um, so that's why I was thinking like it could be kind of cool if it was like a hockey game, um, but just because like then maybe he could be a coach instead of a video like a a player if he's um, if he's like that, but. Um, I don't know. It is an interesting case. I, I don't, I don't want to like speculate on who these guys are because as we said, it, it kind of drives more fire to it, but I, hopefully it's just a wake up call to whoever this guy is. 
Um, now, uh, so you talk about speculation. A lot of people were speculating online that it was Max Jones, who was a Flyers prospect. Oh, yeah. uh, or is it a Ducks prospect? No, it's Ducks, yeah. He's for the Ducks, okay. So, um, he tweeted that it wasn't him. Yep. However, at the same time, he also linked the link to his Twitch account. Yep. So, and if you don't know what Twitch is, it's basically streaming video games that you're playing live. Yes. So, I don't know if that helps or hinders his cause, but, you know, he, he says it's not him. So, I guess you can write off Max Jones as a possible suspect. Yeah, I thought that was a funnier comment that he was just like, oh yeah, it's not me, but I have a Twitch account of anyone who ever wants to uh Yeah, hit by. me up, you know, yeah. if you got some free time, yeah, I'm, I'm here all week, but um, if, it, if it is a guy like Logan Brown or someone like Mike McLeod that's, you know, a real high-end prospect with a lot of potential, like, that just goes to show you addiction can hit absolutely anybody, and it's... I, I find this whole thing really silly and sad because a lot of people would kill to be in your position right now. Yeah. And you don't even know it, but you're throwing away the chance of a lifetime. Like you're really getting you're you're really consumed by this video addiction and you have the chance to live out every person's dream of playing in the National Hockey League and that's yeah. getting in your way. Like right. that that's just absolutely sad. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's it's easy to get consumed into addictions, and you know, I I don't know what it's like to be like consumed by something, you know, like drugs or alcohol or video game addiction and and, and that kind of stuff. But it's it, it's it's just a real shame that this could cost somebody's career. A video game addiction, of all things. Yeah, I think I think this is what it was set out for. This is what. Merrick's inten- uh, intention was it is just to get it out there that he has a vi- like this player has a video game addiction and hopefully there's like some pressure where people where that whoever this player is is like oh sh- shoot I have to you know like I have so much potential and talent I should be able to just like this is like a wake up call in a sense for them and, you know, hopefully this will turn into a success story where he, you know, he changes his ways all of a sudden. But, um, yeah, you're right. It, it is something that's remarkable in terms of a first-round talent, um, whoever it is, um, is, like, it's just cut short just because he's addicted to video games. Um, it's just sad. I mean, yeah. Like, just I'm really same. hoping it's, it's not, you know, someone like Logan Brown who's, really um, a high-end prospect over here in Ottawa outside yeah. of Shabbat and Colin White. He's probably our third best prospect that we have. And also hope that's not one of the Bruins trio that was selected back-to-back-to-back uh, yeah. back because not only are you losing someone to a video game addiction, you also lost out on Matthew Barzell, who you could have picked instead of him. Right. Well, or Brock Besser as well. Yeah, or that. Yeah. Or Kyle Connor. Um, yeah. But yes, uh, you're right. Uh, although you did bring up the point that Zach Senishin did have 40 goals in the OHL. So if he did have a video, so if he did have, uh, if he did have a video game addiction, then, um, he was hiding it pretty well. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, but it could be a Zaboral, um, and, uh, or something like that. Um, but yeah, um, 
All right, I think, uh, yeah, we have enough time for you to do your CHL playoff update. Um, yeah, so it was a good, it was a good transition because uh, someone in the CHL has this video game addiction. <laughs> now, uh, let's go to the successes of the CHL instead. Yeah, so uh, the Memorial Cup uh, got underway um, on Friday. All of the teams uh, that won the trip to Regina finished the regular season in the CHL's top 10. Uh, in the opener, we saw the host Regina Pass defeat the OHL champion Hamilton Bulldogs by a score of 3-2. to two. Uh, Robert Thomas, in a losing effort, scored once and registered five shots. Uh, he did lose 14 of his 26 draws, so looked a bit human on the faceoff dot. Josh Mahura and Nick Henry both got one of each and took at least six shots apiece in their team's first win of the tournament. In Game 2, Akedi Bathurst got a 4-3 win over the WHL champion Swift Current Broncos. Despite what the face-off stats say, um, Glenn Godden won 17 of his 27 draws. His teammate Matteo Gennaro won 14 of his 21. Yet those two players were a combined minus 6, and Godden's 9 shots on goal failed. Steve? Three, the Titan were right back oh, at it. Man. They got smoked in the face-off dot again. As Ducks prospect Sam Steele went 21 and 10, Matt Bradley went 11 for 16, and Jake LeCision went 18 for 29. Yet Jeffrey Truchon VL had six points to his name on the tournament by the early stages of the third period, and his team was up 7 to 2 with roughly 17 minutes left in regulation. Think the game is over, right? Mm hmm. Well, at the 4.40 mark of the third, Cam Hebig makes it 7-3. to three. Minutes later, power play goal off the stick of Nick Henry, 7-4 game. 14-10 of the third, Josh Mahura gets his second of the tourney to make it a two-goal game. With just under two to play, Matt Bradley makes it 7-6, to six, and we got ourselves quite the minute. But then Noah Dobson gets his fourth point of the game to ice it, empty net goal, Titan hang on for the 8-6 win. So uh, Regina almost pulls off the comeback, but uh, ultimately fell short in that one. Uh, tonight, Swift Current plays Hamilton in a tale of 0-1 teams. So uh, one of those two teams will get their first win in the tournament tonight. Then the round robin wraps up with a Bathurst-Hamilton matchup and a WHL rivalry between Swift Current and Regina. Tiebreaker at this point may be needed, but we don't know for sure if that tiebreaker is needed. That will happen on Thursday. Uh, then on Friday, uh, the winner of that game uh, will uh, go up against uh, whoever the first place team is for Memorial Cup, which will happen on Sunday, May the 27th. So should be an interesting week of junior hockey ahead. And a quick shout out to uh, the uh, Chilliwack Chiefs, the hosts of the RBC Cup who fired their coach nine days before. Uh, they ended up winning the whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, this year, they were a 500 team, lost in seven games in the opening round, and they're national champions. Uh, so congrats to them. And uh, tip of the hat to the Ottawa Junior Senators as well, who uh, ended up making the semifinals, ended up losing that, as well as another Ontario team, the Wellington Dukes, for making it to the finals. Unfortunately, they came up short as well. Well, um, yeah, congrats to them. Um, 
I have a funny uh, quote here from William Carlson, who said he's had a Golden Knights shirt since he was a kid and has always dreamed of reaching the Stanley Cup final with his favorite team, <laughs> which I think is funny. Um, and then also, um, to wrap things up, Jim Montgomery... Oh, we almost forgot to say that... Uh, I guess it's not official yet, anyways, but the Rangers may have found their coach yet from BU, but... Um, Per multiple NHL sources, Jim Montgomery turned down significantly more money from the Rangers to take the Dallas Stars job, um, which is an interesting uh, thing to say. Um, and then also, oh, so David Quinn turned down $8 million over four years last week from the Rangers, and the Rangers sweetened the pot with what's to believe to be $12 million over five years, which is... <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Um, but, um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, it's not official yet. We'll announce it when that is fi- official for David Quinn, but it looks like the Rangers may have David Quinn as their coach, um, who used to be the BU coach. Um, yep. Um, I think that's about it. I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm oh, Steve Ellsworth. Um, we, uh, have uh, some social media stuff, right? Yeah, I forgot to do that. Uh, <laughs> the uh, our Twitter is Lace em Up Podcast. Our uh, Facebook is Lace em Up. Um, we don't really have we haven't updated our blog in a long time, but our blog is Lace em Up Pod uh, Lace em Up dot uh, blogspot dot com. Um, yeah, um, I guess you can email us. <laughs> no one's ever emailed us ever, but. Uh, lace up bag at gmail.com if you want to do that but um yeah that's it you're listening to this on soundcloud um now i'm brett dubuff i'm steve ellsworth we'll talk again in our stanley cup finals preview uh we're trying to get colin teske on the show yep. looks like a done deal but uh, wait and see for that next week episode 127 of the lace em up podcast yeah you'll probably also see the stanley cup finals this week maybe but uh, we'll see. Um, yeah, maybe depending on when it starts. We do know Vegas is in. Now it's just waiting to find out who they'll be facing. Uh, you might know that by now, by the time you hear this. But uh, anyways, uh, enjoy uh, the rest of it, and we'll talk to you soon.